Hi, and welcome to Eat My Words, a twice-monthly Arizona Highways podcast that celebrates Arizona's unique culinary culture. I'm your host, Kelly Vaughn. For this episode of Eat My Words, which is back after a long hiatus, I'm pleased to introduce Steve Krause, founder of Press Coffee. Steve, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. So I'm actually going to put you on the spot here, and I want you to think back before you started press. What was the best cup of coffee you ever had, and where were you? That, that is a question that I don't know that I've ever been, been asked. Uh, you have put me on the spot. I'll tell you this much. There wasn't a lot to find when it came to a good cup of coffee. There was a small coffee shop in Chicago that I had on travels with my wife. I okay. don't remember the name of the shop. I just remember it tasting vastly different than what I had before. And I knew I didn't have to put anything in it to make it taste better. Absolutely. So that's kind of what sparked my desire to start looking for better coffee and finding out that it was out there. And I'd say it was probably in late 2003, early 2004, when I was with my wife, now wife, and it was good. And then we were on a journey. We were, we're always looking for a better cup of coffee. Yeah, absolutely. And I find that the older I get and the more I travel, the more I've come to appreciate a really good cup of coffee. So I think that's probably relatable to a lot of our readers. Your wife is, of course, journalist Tram Mai, and you all started press in 2008. So maybe talk to our listeners about that evolution from that really great cup of coffee in Chicago in 2003 or 2004 to actually launching press. Yeah, it's a great question. And I get that asked often. The idea originally was I wanted to start our own business. I wanted to do a franchise. It was actually Buffalo Wild Wings is what I wanted to do. Come to find out that that type of money that was necessary to start, that was entirely too much than what we really had to put out. So one night we're sitting there and my wife says, you know, we're always looking for a good cup of coffee, but more importantly, it was always her dream to have a coffee shop because while she studied at UCLA, she spent a vast majority of her time in a coffee shop. And just wanted to have, I think, that ambiance of knowing that it was her own coffee shop. So we came up with an idea and a vision. I spent a year building a business plan. We went to some coffee conventions. We went to, I went to coffee school. I went to barista school. And then plan came together and we opened Press Coffee in 2008. And of course, you're not just selling excellent coffee, you're sourcing quality beans from growing regions all around the world, South America, Central America, Africa, elsewhere. What factors go into your bean selection and your grower selection? Well, for your listeners, this is a really good way to give them a tutorial on what specialty coffee really is. You hear that word specialty, so you just assume that there's something special going on in that environment. Well, specialty coffee isn't Arabica bean. There's two different types of beans out there. There's Robusta, which is what many of our our parents grew up on, which is the Folgers and the Brim and so on. And then there's Arabica, which is a which is a more delicate bean, but it's it's a much better tasting coffee. That bean gets grown in all those countries that you just stated, but they're also grown in a specific way where the value of that coffee is at a higher scale. So to make an example, we talk about wines being scored between 80 and 100 points. 
for a Arabica bean to be a specialty coffee bean, it has to be scored at 80 or above. So that's the benchmark, no matter what for us, when we're sourcing our coffee beans. And then there are different factors that we look at, which is, you know, what is the coffee, what's the farmer doing to process that coffee better? What's the story behind it? Is this something that we think we can make an impact on with our end users, our customers that are coming in here? Is there a story behind that coffee? And more importantly, how do we make that coffee better than what the farmer delivered to us? Because the coffee can't get much better. It just can get worse if you don't give it the respect it deserves, which is roasting it correctly and then delivering it, whether it be a black cup of coffee, latte or cappuccino. And so you're talking, of course, about non-commodity coffee. And Press is also really committed to supporting small growers and women growers. And I think that probably speaks to the storytelling component of these growers in these growing regions as well. What kind of inspired you to commit to people like that who are growing, you know, on a small scale, maybe, um, and especially to women growers? Yeah, I think one of the important things to put out there is, you know, 10 years ago, especially coffee was so small that the farmers, both men and women, were struggling to make good money on their coffee. And it was an important time to find those farmers that were producing a good coffee and then support them directly. So a lot of times you'll see a term is direct trade coffee. Mm -hmm. And if you can get into a direct trade coffee agreement with a coffee buyer or with a coffee farmer, and utilize import, import and export programs on the side, you can buy that coffee directly from the farmer instead of them having to go to a co-op where they're delivering their coffee. And then they're paying, they're getting a smaller margin on their coffee than what they would from a direct side. Ethiopian coffees are generally farmed by women. And Ethiopian coffees will always be close to my heart because they're my favorite coffees. And that's where coffee was really born. And it was something that surprised me in the beginning because we were buying a coffee and I didn't realize it was a woman farmer and I got to meet her at a convention and I just looked at her and I go, oh my gosh. I go, yes, I'm surprised that, that you're a woman, but more importantly, your coffee is so amazing. I, I just love the way it tastes. And she thanked me over and over again. And so from that point on, I was better educated on how we were supporting some of these farmers, both women and men, but more importantly, just knowing that there's a peace of mind behind who we're buying from. Okay, so you, of course, have your roastery at 32nd Street and Shea in Phoenix. Can you maybe give our listeners just a little crash course on the roasting process? How long does it take? What are the steps, et cetera? Yeah, I won't go into the deep science of coffee roasting, sure. but there is one that's involved. And, and I tell your listeners come in anytime during the week and, and witness a roast. It's really interesting to see how it goes. But we take a product, the coffee bean itself, there's two little green beans that come in a cherry. So here in Arizona, we see the little white blossom that comes out of a citrus tree. Instead, it's an actual red cherry that comes out. And inside of that, it's, there are two little green beans that are protected by parchment and skin. And so when that bean is cleaned and dried and milled and brought to us, it then goes into a coffee roasting process. The coffee roaster, the ones that we have, are a cast iron drum. Underneath of it is a fire that we control the temperature on. 
and we put the coffee in there and then it gets rotated. And as that coffee is being roasted, it's going through several different reactions. It's losing its moisture content, the caffeine, which is oil that's starting to get, it's starting to be extracted. There's what's called a mallard reaction where the sugars start to come out. And yes, there's actually sugars inside of coffee beans. And that process from start to finish is around 13 to 15 minutes, depending on what your roast profile is gonna be. So press stands behind a medium roast profile. We don't wanna go too dark and we definitely don't wanna go too light. We believe that a medium roasted coffee, which the best way to, to identify that as a listener is if you look at a Hershey Kiss, that there's that like medium light brown color that a Hershey Kiss looks like, that's pretty much what our coffee beans are gonna look like. And what that delivers is the true nuances and the flavor and characteristics of that coffee bean, because believe it or not, coffee does have all those elements. It grows in specific places, different regions, different soils, different climates. And the way the coffee is finished is how we roast it at a perfect level, if that makes sense, hopefully. It does. And it, it's funny because, you know, you say that about the terrain and growing conditions, et cetera. There really is a kind of parallelism between coffee and wine, you know, in more ways than one, which makes me chuckle a little bit because those are two of my favorite things. But in addition to roasting and purveying specialty coffee, beautiful coffee, Press is also really intertwined with some charitable endeavors, some community partnerships. Can you tell our listeners about those? Yeah, absolutely. I brought in a partner. I actually have two partners in the company, and one of them has been with me since 2010, and another one came on in 2015. And I always wanted to give back. You know, when a business can give back, there's a feeling behind that, that, you know, you've started to maybe succeed in the community. And to give back is an important thing for all of us. And I believe that's the same feeling that all my staff feels as well. So every quarter we have a charity that we designate and we take our coffee and we put a sticker on there with their logo. And basically it's our charity blend. And the, that charity gets the profits from that coffee every quarter. And we select those charities each quarter. The big one, the one that we get really excited is about is a day of giving. And we go out and we find a charity that we love and feel like we could help and support. The first few years, it was Phoenix Children's Heart Hospital. We've done Hope Kids. We've also done the Southwest Autism Group, SARC. I think that was our most previous one last year. And then we go out and we find matching partners and we tell them, okay, this is the max amount that you'll have to match. So last year was our biggest one. I believe we raised almost $28,000. Wow. And we were able to hand them a check. And the feeling of doing that is just extraordinary. We all love giving. I love it even more, especially when I can. And, and when somebody can, there's just there, there's not a greater feeling out there than, than giving back. So when we talk about quality driven as our motto, we're also community focused. And that's a big part of what we do. Fantastic. And Press has, is it 12 locations across the Phoenix metro area? You are correct. We are at 12 as of late last year. Pretty incredible. What's next? Oh, gosh. I think <laughs> right now we're going to let the dust settle. Last year we opened five new locations. And our next steps now are to tighten up what we have, support the retail locations we have, and then continue to grow our wholesale business, which is what we, you know, having partners in the industry, meaning, you know, if you want to go to a restaurant, hopefully they'll choose to use us as their coffee. That's another big part of our program. We're always thinking of new and greater ideas to expand the business. 
But I think 2023 right now is one of those where we're going to expand on supporting the internal side of our company and our employees. Steve, what do you most want our listeners to know about Press? I want the listeners to understand that this came out of a very small idea. This was a idea of starting a business very small. We started this right when the recession started and it was a very discouraging time to say the least. And we started in City North, which was supposed to be this conglomerate of shopping with a Bloomies, a Macy's, a Nordstrom's. It was just supposed to be the Mecca of shopping centers. And it was a struggle for our first few years. And then we got our feet under us when we had the opportunity to go to Scottsdale Quarter in, it, in its infant stages. And it was a lot of hard work there because there was really no room for me to say, oh my gosh, let's do another store right you know, on the back end of this recession. It was scary. Scottsdale Quarter became successful. It became a place where people wanted to go. People started shopping again and spending money again. And so I just want people to know that what we believe is we're going to provide you a really good cup of coffee. And there are different things that you can have at our stores from cup of coffee to latte, cappuccino, chai, and some food. And know that there's a lot of heart and soul that went into this. And there's not a day that I don't go by that when somebody comes up and says, I love what you've done here. I know your brand. It humbles me to hear those, those words still to this day. I will never be too big for anybody. And I hope that nobody that's listening to this feels that we are too big because I promise you we're going to deliver you a good experience. On that perfect sip, Steve Krause of Press Coffee. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. For more information about Press, visit PressCoffee.com. For more information about Arizona Highways, visit ArizonaHighways.com. This and all episodes produced by Sarah Heater. Until next time, eat my words.